Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is Coffee, Conversation, and Coaching. I'm your host, Christian speaker and life coach, Rebecca Ann Perkins. Here, we do a little bit of Bible study, a little bit of Christian life coaching, and have some conversations about topics that really matter. Think of this as your place every week to just get discipled and to grow and know that the teaching that you're receiving is rooted in biblical truth. Ready to cut through all the self-help noise and all the quick fixes that really just waste our time? Good. Me too. <laughs> Let's get growing for your good, God's glory, and so that we can shine our light to a world that really needs it. Hey everybody, welcome to the single sessions part two. I have a tiny bit of a summer cold, so if I sound funny or stuffed up, that's why. Hopefully it's not distracting. <laughs> um, okay, so a lot of you guys reached out to me after last week's podcast and told me that you were super encouraged. And, you know, I know that not all of my listeners are single Christian women, but I know that a lot of you are and that I don't usually focus on singleness here, but it just felt like the right time. It felt like the right time to do a couple weeks and multiple sessions. And by the way, I'm going to do six more short sessions or podcasts, I guess you can say, um, for three this week and three next week. And <laughs> normally podcasts only come out on Monday. Um, but I have so much to say that I want to get it all out there for you guys. And again, they're going to be short. Some will be funny. Some will be lighthearted, but let's jump into today's, um, today I'm going to talk about sex. <laughs> Um, I don't really relish talking about this topic because I think, you know, I want to be respectful of my marriage and I want to be modest and respectful of just, I don't know, I just never quite felt like my calling to talk about this stuff in detail. And yet, I mean, I didn't have sex until my wedding night and I was 39 years old. So I know that my experience has been incredibly unique and I also know that there are other people walking the same road. I mean, sometimes if we're living a celibate lifestyle or a, a lifestyle that reflects a biblical, historical Christian ethic, which is one man, one woman in marriage, uh, we can feel like we're alone. And I think one of the things that I discovered over my two decades of taking that stand is that I wasn't alone. I mean, I was surprised actually at how often I would meet other women who were walking the road that I was walking or who wished that they were walking the road that I was walking. Okay, so let's, I want to start by talking a little bit about uh, the purity culture, and then I'm going to move to talk about how what I've learned now, <laughs> now that I'm married and, and that's a part of my life. Um, and then why I think this obedience, this area of surrender in my life is hands down the most powerful decision I've ever made for my spiritual growth and my personal confidence and I'll, and I'll start by saying this, I don't believe that 
Well, okay. So the purity culture, you know, the, the purity rings or the weight, true love weights kind of mindset and cultural Christianity, there were conferences, there were books, there were ceremonies in the nineties that were teaching young men and young women to wait for marriage, which is actually a really good teaching. Now, the complaint that I hear a lot of people give about the purity culture is that it taught them that that sex in general was something to feel guilty about or sexual desire was something to feel guilty about. The other things I've heard is that if you do mess up, you know, because there was such an emphasis on virginity, that if you did mess up or go down that road or commit sin in that way, that people just thought they were so incredibly irreversibly kind of damaged goods. I can see how there are some harmful messages there. Anytime we put a lot of emphasis on something and it becomes our self-righteousness or our value, that is wrong. Uh, Biblically speaking, men and women aren't more or less valuable. I don't believe that sex outside of marriage is a worse sin than other sins. I don't believe any of that stuff that, that I think people got quote unquote mad at the purity culture about. I was raised in the nineties and I was raised, you know, simply to believe that mer- that sex and sexual desire are good, but they were just meant for a man and a woman in marriage. You know, it's powerful. It can create children, <laughs> um, all the things it's not casual, But I was also taught at the same time that it was good and there was nothing wrong with it and nothing to be ashamed about. And so maybe I grew up with a with a more balanced perspective than some people or a healthier perspective because I never felt ashamed of, you know, having those thoughts or like, oh, I'm single and I'm struggling with these, you know, even physical desires. I never felt bad or weird for that. And also now that I'm married, that hasn't been a problem. Uh, Again, I don't want to get too detailed or too specific, but I just, I kind of want to push back on all the people that are blaming the purity culture or even leaving the purity culture because first of all, blame in any way, shape or form is really not a useful thing. Um, I think that blame is just kind of an excuse for people who don't want to do hard work or what's right. (laughs) So we can say it's their fault. It's their fault. Um, They messed me up. No, no. We all have sins. We all have wounds. We all have a flesh we battle with. And when we get old enough to realize that maybe we were taught something wrong, what we do as Christians is we dig deeper into the Bible and we seek God more and we find truth because the truth always sets us free. So if you're not feeling free in certain areas, you were taught things that weren't true or you're believing things that aren't true. Period. End of story. Okay. So again, I've just, I've, I've read the books and the blogs. We've probably all read them about the people who are like, I waited for sex or till I was married to have sex. And I wish I hadn't, or I'm leaving the church because the purity culture damaged me. If it did, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I I do know that that can happen, but really it was legalism probably that damaged you or somebody um, idolizing sex or idolizing virginity that damaged you. And that's not God. Okay. Like that's not, that's not the Bible. So leave the church that taught you that, or the mindset that made you believe that, or push back on 
some of the things that you were taught, but that's not God. Um, it's not. In fact, okay, let me keep going. <laughs> yeah, I just think that blame, anytime we blame and sort of point fingers, it's an excuse, to be honest. Now, uh, we can work through, like I said, our wounds. When somebody has sinned against us, we can confess or repent of our own sin. We can ask God to heal us. We can ask God to bind up our broken heart. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff that needs to be done around sex and sexuality for a lot of people. And yes, for Christian women and yes, for Christian women that were taught incorrect things. Uh, but I just wanted to say that I'm thankful that I grew up in a culture or in a home or whatever you want to say that taught me that sex was meant for marriage. I'm thankful for that. In fact, um, you know, now I'll just kind of transition to some of the thoughts I had over 20 years of not having sex <laughs> and having the opportunity, <laughs> like people have the opportunity. Um, so first and foremost, I went through phases where I thought I was, mm, I don't know if I ever thought I was weird. I think I thought other people would think I was weird, you know, like if people knew, uh, what would they think about me? I definitely wondered, you know, what I was missing out on, quote unquote. I went through phases where I was really proud of, you know, oh, I'm 27 or I'm 30 or I'm 32 and I'm a virgin. Like I was really, I was proud of it. I felt really proud of myself for holding on to my convictions and then I would see other people who were having negative effects, whether it was, you know, a child outside of marriage or an STD, or they had to make the choice to maybe have an abortion or put a child up for adoption. I mean, the bottom line, y'all, is I don't care what society says. Like, if you, if you look around us, sex is not casual. It's not. Because even if you, even if we wanted to try to make it casual and like take birth control pills or use some kind of birth control method, there's still a lot of negative side effects specifically of birth control pills. Um, and, and again, I'm just right now, y'all, I'm just telling you my thought process over the years because I got to the point on a few different occasions where I was in a relationship or even in love or just so tired of being kind of odd or different or feeling left out that I was like, I'm just going to do this thing, right? I'm just going to go do this thing. People don't care anymore. I'm, I'm even old enough now that like, I don't even know if God would care. I don't think a guy would care. The chances of me finding or marrying a man who's also waited because that, that was kind of also part of the purity culture is that it was like, if you wait and he waits, then you guys will have a great marriage and you'll have really good sex. And, um, you know, the purity culture definitely over promised. And I, I think put too much emphasis on if you do it this way and he does it this way, then God will perfectly bless your guys's relationship and specifically that part of your relationship, which is not true. I mean, it's work and, um, practice and getting to know a, a person, no matter what your background is. <laughs> um, so, okay. Like circling back around to some of the thoughts that I had and some of the feelings that I had over the years. When 
Satan was kind of winning or getting the best of me, I definitely tried to, it, it's funny how he tried to get the best of me, but he made it both more important than it really is and less important than it really is at the same time. And that's when he almost won the battle. So more important is this is going to transform you. This is a transcendent experience that you're missing out on. This is what makes you an adult. Okay. So big, huge thoughts and sort of lies about how sex was almost heaven or better than God himself. Well, that makes a person want to do it, right? But at the same time, he, he had to feed me the lie that it's also no big deal, that it's casual, that, that it doesn't create emotional attachment or children, or you're not going to regret it. You're not going to feel bad about it afterwards. You're not going to wish you hadn't done it. So Satan made it I think culture does this now. I think anybody who decides to kind of go down that road, um, yeah, they believe that it's both more than it really is and less than it really is. <laughs> because what I've found now, okay, I mean, now it is a part of my life. And again, I'm not going to get real detailed about this part of my life. But what I've found now is that it, it is not transformative or transcendent more than anything that we experience with God, you know, salvation itself, even our deepest times of prayer and worship and encountering a holy God, you know, what that stuff does for our soul, for our peace, for the relief of our stress, for our feeling of value, worth, wholeness, connection, like even really, really, really good intimacy doesn't doesn't reach those levels and it doesn't transform you into some like different human being. So those, the ways that culture and Satan kind of lies about sex is that it, it, it almost tells us it's going to, yeah, like transform us. I mean, transform our experience and our existence or something like that. Remove all the pain and suffering of the world. <laughs> And yet, if people, and I think if people believe that about sex, then they'll always keep chasing like the next high and the bigger thing and, and expecting sex to be the, their God, which is obviously an extremely dangerous God and, and a road that will lead you to sin if you go down that road, if you believe that about sex. So what I've found though, is that it is more, I would say, mysterious than I previously thought, more bonding than I previously thought. I would say more fun. I'm sorry, mom or dad or anybody who knows us, if you just heard me say that. <laughs> um, I know not a lot of my family listens to this podcast, so that's a good thing. But I, I, I'm only saying this stuff because I know, I know there's women out there in this boat who are you know, early twenties and already feel weird and left out or like, what am I missing out on? And I know there's women in their mid twenties and late twenties and even thirties and like me, maybe mid thirties or late thirties. And I guess I just, I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that every thought you've had, I've had, um, and, and we're not alone. There are other people who have chosen to believe God in this area. I would like to add too that 
if you have, if you have a, a father wound or a major kind of desire to be seen or heard or paid attention to, if that was the home you grew up in, it, you might make some mistakes in this area. If you don't first let God fill those wounds or fill those needs. And, and again, there's no, like you could come back from that. I mean, biblically speaking, there is grace and there is redemption. There is restoration. There can be wholeness, like no matter what you've walked through. I've had a, a, over the years, more, most, almost all the women I've told my story to or interacted with have said to me, oh, I wish I waited too. Um, you know, I think, I think the people who've said, oh, I wish I didn't wait. Like, I don't, I don't actually know if anybody's ever said that to me, but, and also men, let me tell you the men I encountered over the years, uh, they didn't think I was weird either. If they did think I was weird, they probably just didn't give me the time of day and moved on. Most men respected it. Most men actually were kind of comforted by it. I think most men want to know they're going to be you know, married to somebody or with somebody who's trustworthy, who's faithful, <laughs> who doesn't have unmet wounds or desires or needs that are insatiable, you know, down deep. I think men and women know that person needs to be comfortable with them, their own selves satisfied in God because I can't be their God. I can't do all of that for them. So seeing a woman who is satisfied literally in the Lord and likewise seeing a man who's satisfied in the Lord gives those two people great faith and great trust in each other. And that was something that I was taught at a young age and that I believed all along. You know, I, I didn't let go of that idea. I, I will say that it's by the grace of God I mean, it's by the grace of God that I was taught some of these things young and that he even gives us the grace, I think, the faith to believe. So I don't, I'm not patting my own self on the back for somehow being like better than other women because I was a virgin when I got married. No, I, I, don't, I, I fundamentally don't believe that intercourse makes a woman more valuable or less valuable to a man, to a marriage in the eyes of God. What I do fundamentally believe is that it does create baggage. It does usually create stuff to work through. Um, it can, and if it doesn't, you know, because I've heard that occasionally, you know, I've heard, I've heard women say, well, you know, I did this thing and I didn't even feel bad about it. Uh, to that, I would say, I mean, we should always feel convicted of sin. So Actually, I haven't really heard that. I've never really heard I didn't even feel bad about it. Not for women that have the Holy Spirit in them. Not for women that are genuinely walking with the Lord. What I have heard is, so, you know, I, I compromised or I decided to have sex and then I realized it wasn't that big of a deal. I was like, that was it. You know, that wasn't worth it. Then they felt kind of bad about that. They're like, I compromised on my core beliefs or I kind of denied God or I did the thing that I didn't really want to do for that. It wasn't really worth it. That's what I've heard more than, than the other. So, you know, this is a, it's an interesting topic because 
I know that I don't fall into the regular, not regular, but maybe typical <laughs> Christian woman in the sense that I believe that we have a voice. I believe that we should be confident. I believe that single women have all the purpose, meaning, worth, value, importance as a married woman. I I probably tend towards a little bit of a a mindset that says we sh- we get to make our own choices. We I want women to be empowered, I guess is the word I'm dancing around here. I believe that we are empowered through the Holy Spirit. I believe that we are empowered to like be free and to live a life for a life of abundance for the glory of God, for the good of other people. However, I don't I don't believe that sex is quote unquote my right. I mean, I don't I believe we have free will, but I never, I never felt like that is the thing that liberates me as a woman. Like if I can go do this thing, that's what makes me powerful. That's what makes me strong. That's what makes me free. No, it doesn't. Like I just never bought that lie. Um, I believed that being free of sin, being free of lies, being free of insecurity, being free of fear, being free of doubt, knowing who I was, knowing who God made me to be, being surrounded by good community, um, enjoying life, enjoying God. Those things set me free, right? Those things made me powerful. Those things allowed me to have purpose and a sense of who I was. So you know, Satan is extremely tricky and he, I believe, started to trick women, what, in the 60s? Is that when the pill was created? (laughs) Which is take this pill so you don't get pregnant and now you're liberated. What? Biblically speaking, we're liberated when we're free of sin and self. I mean, we're liberated when we're, when the old flesh, which controls us, right? I mean, the flesh controls us is less and less. And our spirit is more and more when we kill the flesh and we become more and more alive in Christ, which is sin. I mean, we're liberated from, from sin, from the chains of the unmet desires that we're trying to find in something else than the Lord wounds that we haven't dealt with Un when we're Yeah. Just, I mean, like those are the chains. Okay. Those are the things we all humans need to be liberated from. Don't buy the lie that just saying it's my body and I want to have sex makes you free because in fact, biblically speaking, that doesn't make you free at all. That makes you trapped. That make that gives you kind of more stuff that's going to mess you up and hold you back and hold you down. And again, on some spiritual level, I just always knew that, you know, even in those moments in my 20 years of singleness that I could have gone down that road. Something in my spirit just said, this is not going to be worth it. And it's going to trip you up and trap you in ways that aren't going to be worth it. So, you know, I am thrilled that I waited, but I will say it was hands down the hardest part of being single. Um, the, the physical desire is very, very, very real. I mean, it's very real. (laughs) And I also want to end by saying 
that dying to myself in that way and trying to be obedient in that way. And I wasn't perfectly obedient. Again, I'm not going to get into details here, but I will, I mean, I will unequivocally say I did not have intercourse until my wedding night, but it's not like I was pure of mind or like, like perfectly pure of mind or heart or action all those years. I wasn't, you know, purity is different than physical virginity. And I did live pure a lot of that time, but there were definitely moments and and things that happened that weren't 100% pure. And that's okay too. I don't really judge myself for that. I mean, I if I felt convicted of a sin or an action or a thought, I would take it to the Lord and and weep over how hard it was to be single and how hard it was to not have a place to express myself sexually or to be in a sexual relationship. Um And the Lord would meet me there and he would speak truth over me and challenge me and give me more strength and more grace and forgiveness. Like, you know, it was just up and up and down. But I do want to say that, you know, God, I believe, really honors obedience. Um, It doesn't win our salvation. It doesn't win his love or his approval, but he does honor it. And I'm, I'm not perfectly obedient in all ways. I mean, I'll confess right now over the air that I've struggled with like tithing my whole life. Okay. Um, I'm not perfectly obedient in other certain areas, but in this specific area, I do believe that the more and more that I obeyed when it got harder and harder and harder and harder and harder and harder, the more and more of that God just let me experience him. The more and more that God um, showed himself to me, the more and more God allowed me to be satisfied in him. And so, you know, who I am today, I I say this with all humility, but I have women tell me often, you know, I, I wish I could experience God like that. Or, you know, I so admire what you do, or you're amazing. Or why are you so awesome? I mean, I get, I get phrases like that you know, thrown at me a lot. And in all honesty, you guys, in all honesty, it sounds crazy to say this, but I believe it's because I waited and not that God honored the fact that I was a virgin when I got married, but the fact that God shows up for us when we do hard, when we obey in hard ways. Okay. It's not about being a virgin or not a virgin. It's about if God puts a conviction on your heart or the Bible clearly tells you to do something and you obey him, even when it doesn't make sense. And we obey him, even when it doesn't understand. And this can be any area of your life. Okay. For sure. With our sexuality. And that's how, that's the road he asked me to walk down. But for you, it can be something else right now. But when God asks us to do something and we have to kill our flesh and die to self, When God puts something, a conviction on our mind and on our, on our heart, and we listen to him over the world over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, he gives us more of himself. He shows up for us. And then we become these women who know God so personally and so powerfully that we're just like comfortable and confident in our own skin. We We become women who have experienced, we've tasted and seen that God is good. We know he's going to be there for us to get us through anything, no matter what. And we can just, I mean, really deeply, (laughs) like, 
you know, what can the world do to me? To live as Christ, to die as gain. I've already kind of been through the ringer and God has sustained me. And, you know, if anything, I just want to end this episode by saying, I'm so thankful that I know, you know, at 39 years old, I'm about to turn 40, that I know where my deepest satisfaction comes from, that I know God is always going to be enough for me. I mean, to have these things settled in my heart, to have these convictions in my gut, to be able to know these things at my age and be able to live out my life from such a satisfied and kind of settled place. Not that, not that life doesn't still have challenges or is hard here or there, but my deepest knowing is extremely settled. My, my deepest satisfaction, my deepest peace is extremely settled. And I know that it was forged in the fire of really difficult obedience. I want to wrap it up here soon, but I, as we're talking about confidence, right. And sex, I I think I have to address the fact that in some ways, like, like I'm making the statement here that waiting to have sex until marriage is what made me a confident woman. In some ways, women who start to have sex or feel desired by men or realize that they are desirable or go sort of make their own choices, I'm not going to lie that that probably builds confidence for people. I mean, your average, let's say, teenage girl who doesn't feel comfortable in her own body or feels ignored by guys when she's in her 20s or even in her 30s and all of a sudden she realizes, oh, like this really attractive man is attracted to me or, you know, he wants me in this way and, and they realize they have influence or they're desirable or they have power in that regard in in a worldly way or in a I guess maybe physical beauty or confidence in our physical body or desirability then sure I'm sure that having sex boosts that a little bit I'm sure that anytime and, and I can say that now being married, I mean, being desired by my husband does make me feel beautiful. <laughs> it does make me feel enough. It does make me feel um, sexy. It does make me feel all those things. And so, I mean, yeah, that's part of the draw as well. I just want to acknowledge that here. I mean, a lot of us are kind of from the sex in the city generation, which means I bet a lot of us have watched that show. Some of us have, some of us haven't, I don't know, but we're from the generation of, yeah, but I feel awesome and empowered and sexy because I'm making my own choices in this area. And I've addressed, you know, that from a biblical perspective up until now, (laughs) but I can't not address it from kind of the worldly perspective and just the flesh perspective, which is sure. If you're looking to build your confidence, being desired by a guy helps. However, in the long run and most of the time, it doesn't help because he doesn't stay, (laughs) right? So like, unless, 
unless you just happen to sleep with the guy who ends up loving you forever and marrying you, you you're going you would have to wrestle through okay, well, if he wanted me for a night or he thought I was, you know, he he liked my body but he didn't like my personality or my brain or my spirit or my soul or you know, all it's really going to do is make you wonder what else in you is lacking. So again, I just, you know, these are, these are all the thoughts that go through our mind and that went through my mind over all the years and coming at it from a biblical angle and even teaching you guys or encouraging, encouraging you from a biblical angle is enough and it's good and it's true. But I just want to acknowledge that, right? Because we're all real women and we're, and we're in the real world and, and we're watching TV and reading magazines and we have friends that are coming at it from this other angle. And so I just, just taking a moment or here too, to say that it does feel really good now, you know, to be wanted. It even felt good when I was single, you know, anytime a, a guy desires you, it, it feels empowering. And uh, I don't think that's untrue. I just think that God said, well, let me give it to you in a package where your heart is a little safer and where um, the rest of you is not really on the chopping block. Okay. And so again, it forces you to dig way, way deeper and say, where is my confidence? Right? Where is my confidence found? What are my strengths? What do I have to offer the world? By not just taking the easy route and going, oh, this hot guy at the bar wants to sleep with me and it's going to make me feel really good about myself. You've got to dig a little deeper and actually go figure out who you are, what you believe, what God says about you and genuinely start to feel good about yourself. I'm not exactly sure where this thought fits in, or even if it's biblical. <laughs> I think it is biblical, but I have to throw it in here because it was a real part of my experience for the 20 years. Even though there were many moments when my flesh really wanted to just, you know, indulge, have sex, do it, whatever, enjoy the physical pleasures... And I had the opportunity because I was dating somebody who was willing or whatever. Um, there was a piece of me that always was a little bit like, are you kidding me? You think, you honestly think I'm going to give you all of myself? You know, because I didn't detach my body from my spirit, my soul, my emotions, um, which I think a lot of people have to do when they start having sex or casual sex. They they can get to a place where it's just um, a physical activity and they don't have any emotional attachment to it or anything like that. But if you don't separate yourself, then to have sex with somebody is to really like let them in and do the most intimate thing kind of in the world that you can do with somebody. It's to sh show them parts of yourself uh, physically and emotionally and even spiritually, I would say that you're not showing other people. So it's giving again, because it's not casual y'all it's giving quote unquote, all of yourself to somebody. And I remember I used to always think, are you kidding me? You think just because you've been nice to me or just because you want to buy me dinner or just because we've been going out for a couple months or even because you said I love you that you get all of me? Like, no, <laughs> there was a I don't think it was pride or self-righteousness. I think it was a holy sense that God himself says 
our bodies, both men and women's bodies are meant for marriage. They're so valuable. The act of sex is so intimate or whatever that it, 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 the price of it is marriage. You know, the price of my body, if a man wanted all of me was, well, you better give me all of you. And all of you means you walk down an aisle and you put a ring on my finger and you say, I'm giving you the rest of my life. Okay. Once you give me all of you, I'll give you all of me. So even in the times in my singleness where I was really tempted to just think it's casual and just enjoy the moment or enjoy the feeling or go down this road because apparently it's fun and awesome and makes life better or, you know, this is what TV tells us. I couldn't shake the... It almost felt like a chip on my shoulder, but I, I don't think that's what it was. But I couldn't shake that part of me that was like, if you want all of me, you have to give me all of you. And I just, I never let go of that. I never really surrendered that sense of this is the price tag that that God put on my body and I'm just going to trust him and I'm just going to believe him. And I'm a, I'm a really confident woman to this day. And again, I believe that this largely has to do with the fact that I obeyed in this area and then God blessed me on a spiritual level and kind of on levels that we can't really create on our own, you know? So not just obedience, but I also, I, I want to start as I, as I end here, I want to use the word trust. So God is trustworthy. And when we trust him, not only his boundaries for our life, but we trust him to fulfill us and satisfy us that really pleases him and he will come in and he will do that. But we have to give him opportunity to do that. We have to, all we can really do is obey and put ourselves in the situations where we, where he quote unquote needs to come through for us. <laughs> and then when he does, and, and, and when we get to experience that, you know, he really blesses us with a spiritual vitality and a confidence and a peace that cannot be earned through a conference or a self-help book or a seminar. It can't because we are mind, soul, body, spirit. I mean, there's parts of you and you becoming sanctified that is so mysterious that only God can do it. And he does it when we trust him. He does it when we obey him. We does He does it when we lean in to what the Bible tells us is true. And often when it doesn't make sense. So I hope that this episode was encouraging. And I, again, I had so many of you guys reach out to me after the first episode and tell me that you passed it along to your friends. And it was like, so encouraging for you to just hear me talk about my singleness journey that I hope this one was too. I can do another episode about this, or we could all hop on some kind of group Zoom call. More than anything, what I want to invite you to do is to find me on Instagram and direct message me or send me an email. Both of those links will be in the show notes. And I'm dead serious. Like if you are a, a Christian woman and anything in this episode healed you, was eye-opening to you, gave you more questions, made you have more thoughts, if there's any pushback, if you're like, well, what did you mean by that? Or, okay, that sounded great, but how did you actually do that? Please reach out to me. Um, and if there's a lot of you, I'll figure out a way to, you know, get us all together or 
minister to you guys one-on-one. I just want the Lord to um, be glorified. And I want you guys to not buy Satan's lie that, you know, you're not enough or you're not complete if you're not having sex. And I want you guys to reap the rewards of trusting God in this area of your life. guys enjoyed that episode or you have questions, comments, suggestions, email me. I check my email every day and I will respond to you. You can reach me at podcast at rebecca-ann.com. That's podcast at r-e-b-e-k-a-h-a-n-n-e.com. Drop me a line. I cannot wait to hear from you. And I might even read your email on the air. Also, don't forget to rate this show, review it, share it with friends. Let's keep getting this type of teaching out there into the world. I need your guys' help to do that.